1: Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com.
2: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn.
3: You're listening to In The Drink on org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli. And before we get started, I'm going to give myself a little shameless plug. Um, for, for those of you who've been listening, you know that I've been working on a line of organic wines made in Italy. Um, a Cerrosuolo d'Abruzzo, a Montepulciano d'Abruzzo, and an Ionico, uh, all under the brand Anona. These are all organic wines. They are unfiltered. They're made with natural yeast fermentation and indigenous native grapes, which I think is uh, really cool and important. Um, you can find our wines at anonawine.com. Uh, you can always email me if you have any questions um, at joe at anonawine.com. If you have questions about the show, if you have any suggestions for guests, um, feel free. Reach out. Uh, I, I, I'll answer your email. I promise. Um, all right. So I'm excited about today's show. We have someone who's doing uh, some really excellent work in the spirits industry. We have Nicola Palazzi uh, of PM Spirits. They have only artisan, truly beautiful, small production artisan spirits and so uh he's in the studio today we're gonna answer what makes an artisan spirit what makes it a a a true handmade spirit um if anyone is able to answer that question it's nicola his stuff is outstanding and i'm really excited to have him in the in the studio today so so welcome to in the drink thanks man thanks for having me how does someone become a spirits importer how do how do you get into this industry well, it's it, it's complicated. You need to be
4: uh, you need to uh, be fairly stupid for about <laughs> the first 25 years of your life. Um, you need to study engineering. Uh, don't realize that this is absolutely not for you. Uh, you need to work about four years as a chemical engineer in France. Mm-hmm. Uh, move to the U.S. Um, do the same work for uh, another two years. And then said, all right, fuck it, this is horrible. I need to, uh, I need to do something with my life. And that's when you, um, look into what you, think you could be good at what you think you could work long hours towards in uh in uh booze was my answer but it's so it's 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 it's, it's a long process it's a long process. especially when you don't, when you don't think at all ever <laughs> that's
3: not yeah did you uh did you know at that time that there oh wow there are all of these great spirits that just aren't being represented by the the large spirits distributors um well, uh, yeah. it, it, it was uh, like when I first came, uh,
4: when I came to the U.S. in uh, in 2005, and I was drinking a bunch of wine, maybe too much, and and, 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 and some spirits too. And, and having lived in France for 25 years or so, I, uh, I was used to buying stuff locally. And I remember coming to this country and looking at the selection of wine stores, like local, you know, average wine store nearby my house and i was really impressed with what you could find wine wise mm-hmm. but like spirit wise that was kind of disappointing um because booze uh, was and still is mostly brands um so so yeah i mean i, I was aware I, I was aware of those like artisan guys
3: and and discovered that very few of them were available here yeah from your time in france and just what just not even thinking more about other than that's just what was available, and you you saw this this difference. It's really interesting. Well,
4: th- I mean that's the thing. In, people don't necessarily realize like in, in, in France the rules are um, uh, are really not the same as far as selling booze. Mm-hmm. So you could uh, like you, you it's it's very easy for a uh, for a liquor store for a wine store. To go to a small guy who lives like 30 kilometers away and like purchase a six pack and like bring it back and that's it. And then you sell it to whoever you want to sell it. And 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 then if that sells, you bring more. So it you know the stuff is there, it's available, and uh, you you can ship to whoever you want, whenever you want. So it's uh, it, it's um, there's a lot more booze um, available this way just because there's a lot less hurdles uh, um, as far as um, you know shipping and distributing and those kind of things i don't know if that makes sense but
3: yeah well now you have a ton of great spirits from all over the world but i kind of think of you as having the most interesting cognacs around is that is that when you first got started you saw like large brands of cognac and you're like there's much more you know artisan stuff available that's not being brought in so
4: so yeah um the thing is i've always thought that you know you 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 have a passion, and you you go with it. You run with that, and and that's uh, and that's what defines how you're gonna uh, how you're gonna do and how you're gonna handle yourself and the direction the business is gonna go. Uh, and and my passion is brandy. Mm. Like I I'm 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 a sucker for for brandy because I think brandies have an elegance that um, a lot of other spirits don't have. And through family connections, I have been hanging out for. Uh, uh, quite a while when I was younger uh, in in cognac sellers, and I, I guess I never really intellectualized the thing. But you know that that's the things that you do when you're young, and then you know 15, 20 years later, it's like somewhere in your brain, and you're like, oh yeah, I like that stuff. Um, so that cognac was it for me, and uh, and yeah, I mean it's 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 one of the most uh, it's one of the m- most obvious thing here in the U.S. market. It's like there's like four or five brands, and then you know uh not much else so that's i started i started with that with, with i started with
3: cognac like six years ago yeah it's and can you should actually give a plug for a future episode we're going to have one of your uh brandy producers on as a guest
4: yeah yeah uh, so that's uh that, that's going to be pretty dope so this is uh um that's uh alex uh reiner uh owns and operates uh What's the uh, the Rolls Royce of uh, schnapps, vie made in Austria, called uh, Rochelt, mm-hmm. uh, or O C H E L T? And um, I mean, th- those guys are those guys are um, like they, they make the finest fruit vie that you're gonna find. Like they don't spare any um, efforts. They don't look at how much stuff costs. They just want to make the most banging product, and that's just. This like those o de vs uh have floored me
3: when I went there mm-hmm. and this 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 is gonna be great am um, I thinking of it the right way as a, a fruit o de v are you th- when you say brandy are you referring specifically to grape brandies or all fruit no i'm, fruit I'm branding yeah, yeah. like what, whatever whatever is made out of fruit yeah um
4: you 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 grow a fruit you um you crush it um you make that juice. You ferment it, you distill, and then whether you age it or not. I mean, depending on where the stuff is made and what you want to achieve. But like something that's made out of fruit, uh, to me as a as a very specific appeal. I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm not throwing stones at any other uh, spirit category, but like this is uh, this is it for me. That's your passion
3: that yeah. drove you. So I imagine then next the next logical place would be Armagnac to go after that.
4: Yes, yeah, yeah. Like Armagnac is. Uh, Armagnac is the the, the, the um, I don't even know exactly how to define that. Like uh, the Armenian guys are looking at the cognac guys and thinking, "Oh, wow." You guys are super su- successful. Let's uh, let's copy what you're doing, and we're gonna sell a bunch of cases too. Uh, and it never worked. And 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 they decided to go for vintages, basically, because everybody has a purse year. Um, it, it, it's just it's 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 a weird um, brandy category that doesn't necessarily have. Uh, they, they they haven't been able to reach to the right customer base right mm-hmm. now. Like a lot of what I hear is, I drink Armagnac because it's more artisanal than cognac, and then the dude saying that drinks like mass-produced uh, negociant Armagnac, not knowing that what the stuff is. So anyway, it's it's uh, there, there's there's uh, a for very different reasons. They are uh, many things to bring to the market and many things to learn uh, in cognac, in Armagnac, in Calvados. Like the truth is, nobody really cares about brandy. Uh, few people drink brandy. Uh, the guys would do they tend to be uh uh, drinking brands and uh and they tend to be pretty old uh the guys not the brand i mean the brand old too uh so so
3: there's a lot to be done for sure how how is how should we get this done you know i i I love spirits too but like uh, it, it was so hard to convince people to drink, you know, even to drink amaro in in my in you know my restaurant, so I was involved in them, and that that seems e- easier and more logical in an Italian restaurant, like to finish with an amaro or or a grappa. But uh, it, it was rare that people were actually even going for it. Had like, what are you doing? How are you convincing people to that they should actually drink more? Because I know that you know, and I, I've seen you taste with you know, with the other uh, wine directors in the in the group, the other beverage managers. When people taste your product, like, they're blown away. Like I've never, I've never had this version. I've never had a Pinot de Charente like this. I've never had a cognac like this. Um, but then, how do you translate into into sales? Now, obviously, that's on it's on the, the the buyers. But I feel like there has to be some. I'm I'm I'm, I'm glad you, know. you ask,
4: and it's really cool. It's uh, it's a four hour show, so I'm, <laughs> gonna, I'm gonna line up. I'm, I'm gonna line up my answer right now. Uh, no, there there there's a few uh, there's a few key things that we're trying to do, and that uh, and that we're trying to uh, get uh, uh, buyers and some and these and bartenders into. And uh, to, um, to do as well. Um, the first one is uh, we're trying to do a ton of education. Um, and, and by education, I'm not saying like we're trying to brainwash people about the brands that we are either importing or distributing. Uh, but we are doing a bunch of education about categories. Uh, what is cognac? What is armagnac? What is a food de uh, How Mescal is made? That type of stuff. Um, and, and like increasing awareness. Um, so the staff, the, the person who's behind the bar, the dude who's taking care of the wine list, like that people are more comfortable with booze. Um, a lot of the time, what's, what, what you see even in uh, fine dining restaurants, is that um you have somebody who's uh you, you have a wine director who really knows a shit ton about wine uh you have a, a bartender who's like you know the best at making cocktail there's maybe like a beer sommelier or some guy who's like super passionate about about coffee uh as far as need spirits, you get nobody like there, there there's so so there because there's not that um uh because you don't have somebody on the staff oftentimes who is uh, um who feel comfortable uh, uh with new, neat booze um like that person is not gonna try to hand sell um spirits to the guest uh, and here, I'm just making a—we a, were talking uh, about it earlier. Uh, I'm just um, making something clear. Like, I'm talking about booze to drink neat. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about booze that gets into cocktails. Like a lot of the things in cocktails, you don't like they are, they tend to be not all of them, but most of them tend to be fairly mass produced because they need to achieve a fairly low price point. So the cocktail is at a, um, so there is like a, a substantial margin on that cocktail. Uh, that's that's how most bars um, are operating. And um, I'm talking about booze to drink either with
3: an ice cube or not or whatever, but like not something that's, not right, something it's that's such made. a different model that you're doing i mean I, anytime I anytime i've ever spoken to a liquor rep i mean not anytime but almost every single time it's how do we get our uh our spirit into your cocktail program yeah but the no thing is talks the, about how like how did you like your guests should drink this neat uh, so the
4: the, the 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 thing with the with the well product the stuff that gets into cocktail is that uh we the small guys are never going to win just because when you read artisanal stuff, those things are going to be—they're uh, going to be more expensive than the more mass-produced stuff. And they also may or may not be uh, less replenishable. So if you have a uh, you have a cocktail joint, and you want your um, gin to be at a certain price point to achieve that liquor cost that you want it to be, uh, and and you want to be able to use it this week, next month, and the year the year after, so that's that's a short it's a short thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna be selling you a gin that is uh, that is more expensive because it's made by like two guys somewhere in a garage. Uh, and you know what? They they are using their own ingredients, uh, and sometimes they won't make the stuff. They don't. Want, they're missing something. I don't know, like for for, for a lot of various reasons. Um, the stuff we all, like, we won't have any to sell you in like like two months from now. So uh, so the the price point and the availability makes those artisan spirits um, uh, not a great fit for cocktail programs. Now, if you think about it, uh, and, and I'll go back to to you all your earlier question. Uh, but if you think about it, that's the cool stuff. It, it, yes, the stuff will be more expensive oftentimes, and and yes, it will be less replenishable. But uh, it will bring something to the cocktail program. Like you, you could you could do like one-offs. You could do a cocktail that um, it, it, the cocktail that has a uh, fairly um, lower uh, margin in percentage by using something that's more expensive and and you're still you're still gonna sell that stuff and you know what the the margin that you're bringing to the bank it's it's a dollar amount it's not a percentage so when you're looking at a liquor cost of like 14 percent, yeah okay well you're gonna make what you're gonna make five bucks on that cocktail or six bucks on that cocktail well, you could be making you know fifteen dollars on that cocktail, uh, the liquor cost would be uh, you know forty percent or fifty percent, but you 're still bringing to the bank fifteen dollars and and are you going to sell uh, are you going to sell expensive cocktails like all day long no but you 're going to sell some if you have them on the mm-hmm. list you 're going to sell them um, and that 's one way to sell that 's one way to sell um, like artisanal booze in cocktails like you, you could obviously i 'm all about trying to educate people so they can offer the booze neat to the guest but if like we could do there, there's plenty of stuff that could be done to like have a reserve cocktail list and use cool shit on your cocktail list where the price is not necessarily 12 bucks but when the
3: guest taste that drink the guests know that he's not giving, being robbed. That's such an interesting point. I mean, because if you look at a, a wine list, uh, and even increasingly like someone's beer list, but I don't really like a wine list. That you have wines on a regular restaurant from forty dollars to hundreds of dollars. It's mm-hmm. a big price disparance you know, just the discrepancy between the the least expensive and the most expensive. But the, the that same restaurant's cocktail list will maybe it'll be two dollars difference between the least yeah, everything and most expensive. like yeah. everything
4: everything tends to be line priced. Everything yeah. tends to be like twelve, ten, twelve, fourteen, sometimes sixteen dollars, depending yeah. on where you are. Um, but you know, what about making a little more money on that Moscow Mule that really costs like like four cents to make, uh, and and uh, and and have a, a little less margin in percentage on a cast cocktail that you for which you you're gonna use like a single cast full proof yak? Um, again, like the some some people are. When you go to a restaurant, you look at the wine by the, the wine by the glass. And, and you have everything for every budget. You have the thing for, you have the Pinot Grigio for the person who doesn't really care about wine and he or she is there just to enjoy himself or herself. And you got the, 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 Barolo by the glass for like the dude who can expense that or the guys wearing suits and who are talking business or whatever. And, 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 and I don't really see why you can't do that. With with cocktails, um, have a reserve list. Uh, the cost of it is is like nothing. Um, it just means that you're going to purchase like one sixty dollar bottle of Armagnac. I mean, come on. And
3: it's a good. It's such a good point too because if if I decide to put a fancy Barolo by the glass, um, it's probably going to be okay the next day if so, no one buys it. But two days after that, you're probably you know, need to open up a new bottle, mm-hmm. and if people aren't buying this expensive Barola that you have by the glass for whatever reason, then there's a lot of of waste. But in something like a high end cocktail, like that, those those are stable. Those are stable you, you, products. You, you, like,
4: you're gonna you're going keep those things. Like you you buy you buy uh, you buy a more expensive bottle of tequila or a more expensive mm-hmm. bottle of cognac or or whiskey. Um, and you offer a cocktail, the night cocktail, maybe eighteen, twenty-four dollar. I don't know, whatever the whatever the, the the cocktail is and the price point you think uh, it should be at, um, you're gonna sell some of these cocktails, maybe like you know four or five a week or something. I don't know, um, but that ball is gonna you, you have that ball by the glass as well for like how many uh, how many uh, dollar per ounce you want, and and you're gonna you're gonna sell that. Like it's not something. It's not gonna go bad. The investment is is absolutely nothing. Um, it may create a buzz because hey, you have a reserve cocktail. Is that's cool. Um, and that cocktail is forty five dollars. Oh wow! I wish you know. I wish I could try it. And then it, it's just like it 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 creates it creates something. It makes it makes the spot look uh, look a little more special, and and you sell ucl booze so that's 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 one it's one answer like i was talking about education uh like being creative like that with a cocktail program um that's something uh, that's something that's cool and and for example like you have that you have that cocktail that's say 24 four dollar and it's made with really cool booze what about you pour next to it like a quarter ounce of the baby spirit so people can taste that stuff. So mm-hmm. people can see like how dope that spirit is. Why why they're paying twenty four bucks for that stuff, and and that's how you're gonna get people to to um, be more knowledgeable about booze. You know, if if you if you get a margarita with that shitty like like fourteen dollar liter uh, of of. Uh, um, uh, um, a gavy product. I don't even want to say tequila um And you pour a quarter ounce to the guest. The guest is going to be like, "What is that it's thing? This this is horrible." Um, just by educating the guest, showing what the neat booze tastes like, I think that that's something, that's something that something can work out. Like maybe another idea is, you know, there is a, you get a lot of one offs in the booze world. Like, what about you do? Uh, what about like buy one of those one offs? And And let mm. all your customers know when you have that ball, and maybe you don't do such a great markup on it, but it's like, hey, this is rare, this is cool, I have it for you to taste come in you know i I don't know there's like many many things that could be done um to promote um, um, to promote booze uh and the the, the 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 neat spirit stuff and the The easiest one I would say is uh, have the booze uh have the guest." See the booze. Mm-hmm. Like if you are in a dining room and the guest is completely removed from the from the, the bottles, there is no spirit cart. The guest doesn't see the bar. You are not gonna save. You know you are not, not gonna sell booze uh, to save your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if um, the guest walks by a, a cart, or if there is um, I don't know um, any sort of a it's 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 if the guest sees. The spirits at some point during the experience of dining, uh, you increase your chances of selling spirits. So in a restaurant setting, but I'm I'm just saying like there's like many many ways that we're trying to. that we're trying to uh, uh, um, talk to people about, so they, um,
3: you know, implement that and may sell more spirits. I, I love this idea. All right, we're just going to take a quick break, and we'll be back more with Nicola Palazzi of PM Spirits right after this.
1: Today's program is brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, period. Why? Lush grasslands, glacial water supply, fourth-generation cheesemakers, combining old-world tradition with the new ideas and highest standards. The very best milk. What do you think of when you think of Wisconsin cheese? For me, I think cheese curds, delicious, fresh cheese curds, or deep-fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any time, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese Company, the operation behind the Pleasant Ridge Reserve cheese that's literally America's most awarded cheese. I think of the deliciously stinky Limburger and its long-storied history. I think about Raleigh's Dumbarton Blue, a perfect blend of English-style cheddar and notes of blue. I think of Emmy Roth's Grand Cru Chichois, which was named 2016's world champion at the World Championship Cheese Contest. Wisconsin is like the world champion of cheese. And once you start reading the list of cheeses made in Wisconsin on their website, you can see why. The Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board is a nonprofit organization funded entirely by Wisconsin's dairy farm families. Read more at eatwisconsincheese.com. And as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, eat Wisconsin cheese. It's a no-brainer.
3: All right, we're back on In the Drink. I'm here with Nicola Palazzi of PM Spirits. Um, uh, Nicola, you mentioned a few times uh, neat spirits. Does that mean, when you say neat, do you mean without ice as well? Is it okay how do you feel about someone putting ice into an artisan spirit? Is that like when I see someone in the restaurant put ice into a, a glass of wine? And I'm like, ah? Oh.
4: Dude, I, I, to, to, to be honest with you, I, I really don't care. Okay. Like, it, it's, it's, it's like I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. Uh, it's like spirits is meant to be enjoyed. If you enjoy yours with like, uh, with like 17 ice cubes, Good for you. I mean, I'm not going to drink that, but that's that. I'm nobody to tell you you you, you shouldn't do it. Um, the only thing I'm I'm trying to say to uh, to drinkers is you know give a chance to the spirit as is. So you know pour it in a glass, smell it, um, taste it maybe like prime your palate with like one or two drops mm-hmm. of that spirit and then taste it a second time just to see really out and and then assess for yourself like you like it you don't like it you think it's too strong add water you want an ice cube i, I, I like do whatever you want it, it really doesn't matter it's it's at the end of the day it's really meant to be enjoyed it's really meant to like it fosters uh, um cool conversations and mm-hmm. stuff um so I, i'm i'm really not a uh and and i
3: anything as far as uh like the, the conception of, of spirits talk about your uh project with the equipo novasos uh the great sherry producer um I think every sommelier is just you know super excited about the sherries they produce uh Tell us about the project with them
4: um well i uh I got to i'm gonna give you like the twenty second okay. um story i i uh, ended up in Spain, met those guys. Uh, and just wanted to learn about um, sherry. And uh, it happens that they are whiskey guys, and they are... uh they are into booze as well, and uh, after a day tasting at uh, uh, Valdespino and uh, uh, La Guita and a few other places, um, uh, we started to uh, um, get to know each other a little better, and I explained what I, what I was doing. I brought them a, a single-cast cognac, and then we started to talk whiskey, Spanish brandy, and sort of like came to the realization that really no one... Uh,
3: tasted uh, Spanish brandy without any additives, mm-hmm. uh, and that's interesting because uh, it's Spanish brandy. I always remember from when I was studying about wine, the there was always this this trivia question like, what is the grape that is most widely grown in the entire world? And it wasn't a grape that anyone has ever heard of. Mm-hmm. It's Called Irland, oh, yeah. right? And that the reason that's so widely grown is because it goes into Spanish brandy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, so there. I always thought there must be like this. A boatload of of brandy made in Spain. They must just be drinking brandy like constantly. Um, but it's crazy to me that with all of that brandy, there's you know nothing that is really like in, in made in an artisan sort of way.
4: Well, it, it's uh it, it's because the 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 market is uh, is for something that. Uh, is technically fairly inexpensive very dark and super sweet so um it, it's mostly sold in supermarkets and, and when it's not it, it's uh, that's a commercial product they're they they're meant to uh offend the least amount of people mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so uh so there there's nothing that's done to sort of like f- um foster um product with a personality like people are not gonna people are not gonna uh, um try to put on the market something that uh has a distinct uh, aroma and flavor profile um people are gonna try to just do something that's uh, that that fits the that that fits the the flavor profile of uh, um, what's mostly drunk uh out there in the market and and so you have mass produce stuff that are that's blended uh and that's sort of like the uh the, the, the nevs of the uh, mm-hmm. of, of, of the of the spanish brandy um and and uh, and we said hey you know there's a bunch of cool single casks out there so you know uh nobody really cares but let's uh let's borrow one try to see how much time it's going to take me to sell one and then we'll borrow a second one when this is gonna when the first one will have been sold that's pretty much it
3: and that's it and how wh- what cask number are you on now how many have you done
4: Dude, uh, it's a good question because I don't number them, but uh, we, uh, I, we, we do about, I'd say two to three release a year. Yeah. Um, and we did, uh, we did rum, and we found some whiskies, and because there's there's a bunch of cool stuff in 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 those cellars in in in, in Reres. In, um, yeah, I mean it's it's a you know it's a niche market. Uh, those are we're talking like half ball of stuff that are not exactly free. Um, so so I think we're not doing volumes and volumes, but just the fact that we managed to sell more than like a case yeah. is, is is already pretty cool. So
3: I feel like every cool uh, retail store. Uh, I know ha- Has that stuff We just had the The guys from the Up and Up On the show And, and, the, and they have uh, They have it there So it's really exciting what, what is it like To work with The Kipos and Vasos guys uh, Was it just like A kindred spirit Do you guys Have the same vision And agree on things Or what, what, What's that working Relationship like
4: Well I, I guess we, we, we have very different Backgrounds But we uh, We share A love For um, Extremely Well made And authentic Products mm-hmm. Um, so that sort of like guides the, uh, guides what we're doing on the, on, 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 the spirit side of things. Um, and, and they are, um, super knowledgeable, like really, uh, like they, they own, um, sherry and, and um, Spanish brandy. So it's, it's, uh, um, it's, it's, uh, uh, long days and, and a bunch of long nights, uh, um, Tasting, drinking, uh, Eduardo Ojeda uh, 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 collects and age cigars, so that doesn't hurt, um, uh, or at least not right away. So uh, um, that's um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it, it works well. Yeah. Um, just because you know we share the same approach, and for them it's not it's not a big business. For me, it's not a big business, but it's 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 more like a it's it's it's, it's a passion project that
3: we have in common. Now, are you actively still seeking out additional spirits to add to your portfolio? How much travel are you doing? Uh, What is it like? What's your life like?
4: Uh, It's, uh, well, a a lot of time, a a lot of my time is spent selling products. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is, um, everybody and his brother is distilling something somewhere. So finding something to sell is not super complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, Now... I'm trying to what, what my goal is to curate a, a spirit list whether on the distribution side here in New York or on the import side in in the US and and by curating I mean I don't I don't want to have um like Twenty-seven tequilas. I don't want to. I don't want to have a, like a, a super long portfolio, and people have go uh, to to like weed through the crap to find the real good stuff. Uh, what I want is to offer something that's already selected, and there's the right price points, and those are the people you wanna you, you wanna you wanna um, have, uh, or the, the bars you wanna have mm-hmm. um, on, on your back bar. So it. I'm not growing my um, um, selection, whether it's import or distribution, out at of a, at a fast pace. I'm trying to be fairly conservative. Um, I need to have uh, various price points. Like when I started, uh, when I started uh, six years ago i uh had a brilliant idea to only sell um expensive cognacs that nobody had ever heard about uh and then I kind of realized that uh, it would be like a, a short lived uh, experience um but um uh, yeah it's it's travels i'm uh, i'm probably am travelling about ten days a month um i'm going to uh i tend to go back to Europe every other month um and then uh, there there's you know when, when when you when you keep at doing something and it's like a niche business and uh, you try to you know follow your heart and and do something uh, um, and and do it well, uh, people take notice somehow and. Uh, and you know you, you you get samples you get guys who reach out and say hey you know somebody talked to me about you this that and you know you create a relationship then you taste product if it makes sense then mm-hmm. you go there and you you know assess um yeah it's it's a pretty uh empirical i guess there's no there, there's no uh
3: um, set yeah, but more more for tra- traveling for sales than it is for for looking for new products. Now you're you're distributed all over the country. I think you said 21 states mm, before.
4: Te- technically, 21 states. Yes.
3: Technically, <laughs> 21 states. Where where are your artisan spirits most successful? Where and where have you had a hard time kind of breaking in? Well, um, it's such a
4: niche business that I would say that there are states that. They're just not ready for artisan stuff, artisan anything. Um, But mostly what I've seen is uh, if you team up with the right people, the right distributors, the right uh, uh, local cheerleaders... Uh, Everything's possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so that's it's been um, a lot of my work lately uh, to find like minded individuals who uh, run a cool distributing company in other states. And, um, you know, guys who are passionate about booze, guys, guys who are um, um, like good people who have a good network and people want to people in their state wants to they want to work with them. And, and we managed to do like amazing. I don't know. Like um, Texas is doing awesome. Uh, uh, the, the the DC Maryland market is is, is pretty cool. Uh, Illinois is uh, is doing really well. I mean, there's there, there there's um you know uh, uh, Michigan for some weird reason uh, seems to like Pinot de Charon quite a bit. I mean, it's just like and, and it doesn't have to do that much with the market i think um but it has to do with with the people we're representing stuff
3: i just want to finish on uh the pinot de that you know you brought a pinot de i've mentioned it earlier uh the when you brought me to taste these like 20 year old pinot de it was such an amazing experience uh i don't i don't think that is a, a category that uh, people thought of uh, at least here as being something that was age-worthy. Um, uh, how did you find these these older Pinot de Charente? I mean, I, what? What, tell us about aged Pinot de Charon. It's so cool to me. I think such an amazing experience to try one. Well,
4: there, there's a like every small or most of the small cognac makers make Pinot de Charon mm. um, just because it's an aperitif. It's local. People do that. Um, the the good cognac makers, or the, at least the, the people who really care about what they're doing, who put a lot of efforts in uh, um, uh, tending their vines and, and uh, distill uh, as perfect. As they can, they will tend to push boundaries on everything that they do, and Pinot de Charn is one of them. So you have a sweet wine that tends to be uh, um, fairly blah and innocuous and cheap when you buy it at a supermarket but in the right sellers you're going to find casks of stuff that have been kept for like 5, 10, 15, 20 years mm-hmm. um, and the concentration the evaporation the oxidation that occurs makes for um, like really great sweet wines mm-hmm. that nobody's ever heard about in in in, I think that that's that's one of the uh, that's one of the things that um, uh, me and my team have, have, have been developing over the years is like trying to push people to try new stuff mm-hmm. and and say hey you know you yeah you you, you like you pour sweet wines. Dude, there's like so much more out there. Um, try this; it's not extremely expensive. It keeps, um, and you know, it makes you look like a star when you go to the table, and and uh, and you pour something for the guest that the guest has absolutely no idea what it is, uh, um, can't pronounce, and and um, you know, put that in his or her palate, and, and it's like, oh wow, this shit is awesome.
3: Yeah, I mean that shit. Is awesome. All right, uh, guys. If you see PM Spirits on the label of a bottle of booze, whether it's cognac, armagnac, rum, whiskey, mezcal, um, I'm I'm sure uh, schnapps, uh, eau de vie, uh, it will be a high quality, delicious, and handmade artisan spirit. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan and. Nikola, I really appreciate you being a guest on the show. Thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate it. I want to thank uh, Dave Tadishore, who produced the show, the Heritage Radio Network, and all of you for listening. This has been In the Drink on heritageradionetwork.org.